drink. Let me ask you a question. What makes you so afraid that your heart starts beating really fast and your knees get weak and your palms get sweaty and you just feel the the tingling sensation all over you? For some of you, it's driving to LAX. For others, it's getting up front here in front of the rest of them. That just puts people into a panic. When I was a boy, it was uh, fear of the dark. I had to sneak my arm around the doorway to turn on the light in case of something jump out and get me. For one young man, he was uh, working in one of our boarding academies, and, and uh, one of the other workers, uh, the adult, had asked this young man if he wouldn't mind coming with him. He had to go to the hospital because in the evenings he helps the local mortician go and pick up the bodies at the hospital and bring them back to the, to the funeral home. And so the young man went with him. And he felt a little uneasy going in and picking up the body, and they put it on a gurney, and they strapped the gurney across the dead man's stomach to hold him in place, and then they put it carefully in the van. And when they were traveling, they got to a stop sign, and they stopped at a stop sign, and rigor mortis sat in on the man. And if you don't know what rigor mortis is, it can cause your body to move and uh, as your muscles contract. And the dead man started to sit up with a strap across his stomach. It pushed on his stomach, which pushed the air then through his esophagus and went, oh. That young student shot out of that van and was never seen again. Great fear. Couldn't explain to him what was going on. I bet he never volunteers for that job. So for different people, it's different things that makes us fearful, but you can all bet that there is something that makes all of us at some point very fearful at times. I want you to see a group of people that became very fearful, and we want to take a look at what happened. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, we want to begin with verse 27, Luke chapter 8, and we want to look at verse 27. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 27. This is speaking about Jesus. And when Jesus, when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs, in the cemetery. How would you feel if somebody jumped out from the cemetery without any clothes on, and started yelling and screaming at you. But that's not what this group of people were fearful of. Let's continue on. Verses 28. When he, this man, saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice says, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, 
and he broke the bounds and was even driven by the demon into the wilderness. You know, here's this man that's shouting. The, the actual word in, the, in, in the, the Greek sounds more like he was cursing at Jesus. Here he jumps out. He's cursing at Jesus. He's, he's bound with shackles on his hand, but he was so strong he broke those. How would you feel around someone that had such super strength? And uh, you were the only one uh, that was there. The other disciples, they were already afraid. And here's Jesus standing here. But that's not what frightens people in this story. Let's begin with verse 30 now. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Here is the man. He says that he's called Legion. Legion, I looked it up in a Bible dictionary, means 6,000. He had 6,000 evil demons inside this man. Do you see what was going on? Here he was, possessed by a legion of evil demons. But that's not what frightens the people in this story. Look at verse 32. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who had led them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. So here he cast out these 6,000 demons and allows them to go into this herd of pigs. The pigs go wild. They run off the cliff and they drowned in the water. What a strange sight to see something like that. But that's not what frightened the people. Do you know what scared the people the most? Take a look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. Then they, that's the ones that were tending the pig, went out to see what had happened and come to Jesus and found the men from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Notice that they were afraid because here, who was a man that was full of demons, they were used to this man being full of demons. They, they bound him. They probably watched over him. They were used to seeing this guy. And now this guy is clear of mind. But all of a sudden, they're afraid. Doesn't make sense, does it? Wouldn't you be afraid when he had 6,000 demons in him? Wouldn't you be afraid if he would had super strength and is breaking chains? Wouldn't you be afraid if he's yelling and screaming and running naked and sleeping in a cemetery? Wouldn't you be afraid of those things? But that didn't bother them. They weren't bothered. They weren't afraid until he was clear of mind. It's not just discomfort that they're feeling. It's a chilling, hair-raising, spine-tingling, weak-kneed fear that they're experiencing. And look what else Luke says about it. this in this story. Verses 36 and 37. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. 
Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart. That's asking Jesus to, to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear, and he got in the boat and returned. Do you know who they were afraid of? They were afraid of Jesus. They were so afraid, they were sweating in their palms, they were, they, their mind was just going wild, their heart was beating, because Jesus cast the demons out of this man. They were used to the demon-possessed man. They were not used to Jesus coming in and casting out the demons. They didn't mind seeing this man tied up. They didn't mind hearing his cursing. They didn't mind seeing his nakedness. They didn't mind where he slept. They didn't mind any of that. What they minded was the fact that Jesus was there and He did something. He was the Son of God and they were afraid of Him. Something is screwed up in their thinking. What they should have been afraid of, they accepted. What they should have, who they should have accepted, they were afraid of. You know what? We aren't any different. Their story is our story. There was a time when our society showed outrage at public display of evil misconduct, but not anymore. There was a time when we didn't accept immorality to take place, to watch it on our televisions, or to even allow it to take place in our homes or with our families, but not anymore. It used to be that if we saw something that was going contrary to what the Bible said, we would be so outraged that we would not sit still until we spoke up and said something to make it correct and right, but not anymore. We make excuses. We accept the unacceptable. And then when someone stands up and talks about the deliverance of those who are shackled by homosexuality, if we talk about deliverance of those who are captured with, with immorality of all different types, if we talk about people to be free of drugs, if we talk about not watching anything like that on TV or even to go to the movies because it is so impure, we say, you're crazy. That's acceptable. You're living in the dark ages, Pastor. We accept the unacceptable and we don't say a word, but when someone speaks or even preaches about the unacceptable and says we need change and the change can only come through Jesus Christ, we say, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. What are you talking about? 
We live in a different age now. It's okay to be a homosexual. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It's okay to live a life of immorality. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It's okay to destroy our bodies and our minds and to sit our children in front of the television and watch the immorality and the murders and the killings. And it's okay. We just let them do it. They have a right to be able to watch and do. It's a freedom of speech. It's okay. Is immorality okay? Is it okay to allow our kids to curse? But we don't stand up for what is right. But we stand up when someone begins to stand up and to correct it and to say it's not right. The Bible talks about we shouldn't be unevenly yoked when we get married. That it should be like believers that get married and to come together. Isn't that what the Bible says? And yet, Pastor, what are you doing when you're saying that you won't marry my son to that girl? We accept the unacceptable but we don't accept the truth in Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, it's okay to go ahead and to work on the Sabbath day. I know it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. I know that it says that, and I've tried to get the Sabbath off, but the Lord wants me to keep my family, doesn't he? Yep, he does, and he'll help you. If you let him. But if you run away from the one that's going to help you, then you're afraid of Jesus. At what he might say and what he might do. You see, he's ready to work within your life. But I think we're afraid that if we speak up, we're going to make enemies with our family members and with our friends and with society. Do you know what? If you read the last book of the Bible, Jesus wins. But it will be a minority that will be with him, and the majority will be against him. It's not the majority that wins. It's those who stand firmly with Jesus and are not afraid of Jesus Christ. We live in a backwards world. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament talks about the spiritual condition of God's people. Take a look at Jeremiah, if you would. Chapter 6 in the Old Testament. It's been an ongoing problem. It isn't anything new just in the New Testament. It isn't anything new in our day. It's been going on since sin entered Look at at, uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 15. Jeremiah 6 and verse 10. Verse 15. He's talking about God's people. 
Verse 15, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? That's sinning against God. That's doing the opposite of what God wants you to do. No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. didn't bother them one bit. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall, and at the time I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Do you see what's taking place? It says that, that people get so accustomed to sin in their life, in their world, it, they don't even blush about it anymore. It doesn't bother them anymore. We can accept that. It's a way of life. It's okay. I'm strong enough to stand against it. I got a hunch that that's what that naked man used to say. I'm strong enough that the, I'll do whatever that is fun, but the devil will never, ever harm me. And 6,000 of them moved in and took over. I have young people that write notes and says, church is boring. I want some excitement in my life. You know what they're saying? They're saying, I think what's going on in this world is fun. I like the excitement. Do you know there are some people that will go to amusement parks and ride on a ride that will scare them half to death and go back and ride it again? Because I like the excitement. I love to be afraid. I love to be scared. But you know what scares me? When I let go of Jesus, the one who's trying to save me, there is going to be a time when excitement's going to come. But we're going to be on the wrong side. It's time today to take a stand for Jesus Christ and to say, I'm not afraid of Jesus. I'm afraid of the what the world is doing to me. I'm going to stand in the strength of Jesus and make a change within my home. My wife and I are reading a, a book at night before we go to bed of Ben Carson, These Gifted Hands. Have you read the book? His mother was concerned about the influences that was on Ben and his brother's life. And so he says there's going to be some changes being made in this family. You can only watch three television programs per week and that's it. Do you know what would happen in many of our homes if we were to tell our children and our grandchildren you can only watch three television programs in one week? You'd have a riot on your hands. Do you know why? Because they want to watch the garbage. But as they're watching the garbage, by beholding, they become changed into garbage. They become naked, just like... Adam was when he ate the forbidden fruit. He and Eve discovered, we're naked. They no longer want to seek the spiritual because it's boring. It's life-saving. It's the greatest miracles that take place that are in the lives 
of the Christians today. If you want something that makes your heart to really start thumping and you feel excited, allow the miracle power of Jesus Christ to work in your life. You will be so changed, it will be unbelievable. And when you look at the world, the world is going to be ugly. It's going to be disgusting. It's going to be repulsive. And you're going to want to long for that better promise of the coming kingdom of God to free you from this world of sin. That's exciting. So maybe there's someone here today that has accepted the unacceptable, but you're shunning away from the one who wants to make your life exciting. Maybe there's someone here today that has made excuses to live an immoral life, whatever that means. And you are afraid that if you become close to Christ, He's going to make you stop and cast your, your exciting life into the wild pigs. And they get all the fun. Maybe you enjoy standing naked in front of people and that doesn't bother you at all. But when you stand in your sins in front of Jesus Christ and He sees you and He says, I want to cover you with My robe of righteousness, maybe that doesn't appeal to you. Or maybe there's someone here today that says, I want to change. But I can't do it on my own. I don't have the power. I I want a new life. I want to be different. I'm not going to allow others to control my life. Do you know what happens in this world today? We have so many homes that are broken up because of divorce. We have so many children that are in broken homes that they are angry. And they want to fight, but they don't know who to fight. So they fight the church. They fight the spiritual. They fight Jesus. And after a while, they start fighting everybody else. Especially if they're family members that want to bring them to church. I don't want to come to church. I'll sit in the back of the church and I'll talk about everything else, but you cannot make me hear about Jesus Christ because I'm angry. And it's got to be His fault. Tell you what, we blame the wrong person. It's not the fault of Jesus Christ, it's the fault of the devil. And it's about time that we stand up and we're not going to allow people to control us anymore. We're going to allow the Spirit of God to control us because He's the only one that can save us. And if there are some young people here today who are in broken homes, let me tell you something. If you're living in anger, you're going to allow that anger to control you and it's time to break free because that anger cannot control you. It's going to destroy your grades at school. It's going to destroy your friends.
going to destroy your relationship with your family. It's going to destroy your life. You're going to raise your kids in anger. It's going to be a part of your life. And it is going to totally destroy everything in your life. Is that the control you want in your life? Then you better come to Jesus Christ because He can break that control. He can break that anger. He can give you good grades. I tell you, Ben Carson said he used to be the dumbest kid in class. He got the lowest grades all the time. But when he had a Christian mother who sat there and looked at all the reports that came in, do you want to know something? She couldn't read. She looked at all the reports that came in from the school. She couldn't read. But she told her kids, you can do anything through Jesus Christ. You don't have to be the dumbest kids in the world. You can be the smartest. You can break free. And he broke free. It took him a while. But he broke free because of the power of Jesus Christ. And he began when he was hating the, the uh, school that he was going to, he began to change and he loved to learn. He began to see that his, his fellow students were controlling his attitudes and his thoughts and bringing him down. When he decided that that's what was happening, the spiritual helped him to change. And you know what he found? He found more friends, good friends, when he allowed Jesus Christ to be a part of his life. I guess I'm speaking to the hearts of the young ones. You can rip off your clothes in front of anybody that you want. If that's freedom, sorry, I don't want it. My freedom is to have the robes of Christ's righteousness to cover my nakedness. My freedom is not to just live for a little while in what I think is exciting fun here on this earth and then die a death that was meant for Satan and his angel. For me, freedom is having eternal life to live forever in a world that is beyond description that this world has never even come near of comparing to. If you think the Grand Canyon or the Hawaiian Islands are the best things that you've ever seen, you haven't seen anything yet until you see when we get to heaven. That's the place that I desire. That's the place that I'm going. But I cannot go if I hold on to the world. I have to grab a hold of Jesus Christ. He is my only way. He is my only strength. And He's my only outlet. Religion looks boring? Yeah, probably at times. Sometimes it's our fault. Religion looks controlling? Yeah, probably does. But it's the truth that will make me free. You want to be free? It's in Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing this last hymn that's, that's in our bulletin here. Man, there's a lot of things that I wanted to say. Didn't have time to say. But we want to look. I don't even know what the last hymn is. What is it? 371. If there's someone here that wants to grasp a hold of Jesus Christ and let go of the world and feels the conviction 
of your heart. I want you to come up here and we're going to pray together. Okay? As we sing, let's stand as we sing this hymn. just tugging at your heart and saying, man, you know, I've tried this world. It's the pits. But I've never had the courage to come forward. And so I'm calling you today, just come forward. I'm not saying that I'm going to make you do things and make you stand up here and make you fearful. It's just the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I want you to come. If you feel that, come and let's sing the second verse. Lift him up. there's a young person here who has been captured by anger that is just controlling their lives. It destroys their grades at school, it destroys their friendship, and it destroys their family. If you want to break free, Jesus wants to break you free from that. If you want that freedom, come up here and I want to pray for you as we sing the third verse.
lot of Seventh-day Adventists. I'm not just asking Seventh-day Adventists. Do you know that Christ saves all denominations? Whether you are a Seventh-day Adventist, a Lutheran, a Catholic, a Baptist, doesn't make any difference. But maybe the Lord says, man, it's time. I'm not saying you have to join this church, but if you just feel the need to come up here and to have me pray for you, because the Spirit is tugging at your heart that you've had things all mixed up in your life and you've been accepting accepting the world as being the exciting part and rejecting Christ, I want you to come as we sing the last verse. Oh, Father, you see the ones that are here. They have taken a stand to come and to seek Jesus Christ in their hearts. They don't want to be a part of this world anymore. They don't want to be controlled by the actions and the thought of this world. They want to be controlled by the Spirit of Christ who's going to lead them to heaven. We pray for those. There may be some here who are fearful of even coming up front, afraid of what their family and what their friends might think, afraid of who knows what. I pray for them. I uplift them. They want to be here. They want to come. They want to stand here. But something keeps them back. I pray that you cast the demon of doubt from their bodies. I pray that you cast the legions of this world that holds them captured away from them and cast them into the depths of the sea. I pray for the angry who's being controlled by this anger that controls their whole life and their whole multitude of friends and relatives. I pray that you free them from the shackles of anger. I pray that they'll be broken free and that peace will come to their minds and to their bodies and that the day will come very soon, very soon to see Jesus coming in all of his glory instead of calling the rocks to fall upon us. We praise and glorify his holy name because salvation is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.